0: Thank you for listening to this audio recording from the University of Sheffield. How times were changing in the build-up to the Great War. February 1914 was another eventful month for South Yorkshire, bringing tales of strikes, controversies and doom-laden foreshadowings of the coming war. Industrial relations were strained to breaking point. The Sheffield Daily Telegraph opined, We hope that strikes will soon go out of fashion a request that would be largely fulfilled in the four years from August 1914. Meanwhile, it reported on a notable speech at a meeting of the Sheffield Ethical Society by Mr G. H. Perris on Sheffield and the war trade. The production of armaments was big business with its own global economy. Suspicion towards trade and organised working communities was further stoked by news that Vickers, a large armaments company founded in Sheffield, and Krupp's, its German counterpart, had been rumoured to have interests in acquiring a Russian factory. International intrigue was very close to home. Fears about national security were also at the forefront of public opinion. Sheffield YMCA debated about national service, with a Walter Goodchild opening a debate on the precarious international situation. With dwindling territorial forces, he believed that England was vulnerable to attack. This vulnerability was reflected in advertising carried in the paper about nervous disorder and frailty, Wincarnis was said to cure nervous illness. Phosphorine treated the nervous and despondent. Sargol was said to help a weak man gain £22 in 23 days. We certainly seem to suffer from nerves still, but it would be a rare thing to see a weight gain advert these days. Sheffield's corporation bill put forward to improve public conditions, especially around the public slaughterhouses of Sheffield Shambles, then located near Waynegate, was big news. Some comparison could be made here with the recent clearance of Castle Market for its move to the moor. Sheffielders were concerned about rising fees and what a change of conditions would mean, yet this was a move towards a more humane, private form of slaughter, that the shambles was around for some years to come. The bill also made provision for extension to the bus network, then a new phenomenon, and aimed to crack down on pilfering. Public life has changed greatly since these parliamentary reforms, reflecting a Sheffield on the rise. People were much more involved in animal husbandry, living closely alongside animals used for labour or food. One amusing headline reported, Delicate wife forced to kill pig, and one man was brought before court for smuggling a duck under his coat. Aside from animals used for food, the welfare of pit ponies was debated, with Retford leading the way in improving their lot. Sheffield's market benefited from surprising international pressures. On the 7th of February, the paper reported on juicy fruit in Sheffield market. Labour troubles in newly independent South Africa had resulted in the diversion of fruit intended for the domestic market to Sheffield. Juicy plums, peaches, nectarines and pears were being sold completely out of season, a rare treat toward which the paper reports Sheffielders were indifferent. Unusually harsh winter weather was probably to blame. Times were changing rapidly. Suffragettes made headlines and a female headteacher in Dronfield, Miss Outram, was the focus of national scandal for the teaching of sex education. The newspaper headlines reported, Angry parents, teaching of eugenics at Dronfield, towns meeting. Sex education and racial hygiene were hot topics for the modern new woman. Radical ideas were being put forward by brave individuals, sparking public fury as well as approval. We still debate these issues today. It was a dangerous time to be alive, however. Miners were agitating for a minimum wage. Towards the end of the month, more than 10,000 Rotherham miners were out on strike over wages, and they were out for weeks. Not only were the men overworked, but the death rate was high in Sheffield at 22.3. That's around 200 deaths per week, nearly a third of which were children. Bronchitis, pneumonia, and whooping cough were big killers alongside industrial accidents. Sadly, children would regularly die due to poor conditions in cramped housing. One child died after a glass hot water bottle exploded, scalding her to death. At the same time, new entertainments were growing, as Dr. Smith reported in our last column, and a young person could look forward to seeing new westerns or thrillers such as The Club of the Black Mask at the cinema or Houdini at the Empire. In defense of these new forms of entertainment, which to some were seen as a threat, a Mr. O.D. Basing writes into the paper asking, Does Colonel Firth know anything of the humdrum life of the average man and woman who has to struggle through life, earning barely enough to keep themselves respectable? If Colonel Firth had to spend just one year as the average working man spends it, he would not look upon cheap entertainments as a curse, but as a perfect godsend to relieve in some small degree the monotony of life. In the next instalment of our look into the everyday life of Sheffield in 1914 will be the death of a notable Sheffielder, Crimean War veteran Robert Sheffield.